When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us here. Today we've got the greatest reclamation project of all time, the greatest running back of all time, and something of which no wedding is worthy. We are ready to roll. Hit the music. Here we go! Only one place to start. Well, my one place to start is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Chris Canty, good enough to hang out here after we wrap up Get Up before he goes on and does his own radio show here on ESPN Radio. And my buddy Tannenbaum is back. I haven't had you in the studio in a while. It's nice to have you back, Mike T. Great to be here. And before I get back to Boca, it's been a little bit more uh, time on the radio. With the, the legal offices of Greenberg and Tannenbaum were very much <laughs> open today. Uh, and we'll see where it goes. All right, we had, we had a lot of really spirited stuff on the show today. And I'd like to begin by offering a public thank you to my friend Pat McAfee uh, for doing this segment with Aaron Rodgers every week because it is just gold. And in this case, it brings up a really fascinating question. And that is, if you are a superstar in sports, just how far can you push it before people aren't going to take it? So I want to play the Aaron Rodgers soundbite for you here. So everyone knows the Packers are struggling. They've looked unbelievably bad in so many ways. Their defense has been disappointing. The special teams haven't been markedly better. Um, The receivers can't catch. There's a million things going wrong around Aaron Rodgers, and exactly how much of the problem he is is, I guess, a worthy part of the conversation. But yesterday on Pat McAfee, he took his criticism of his teammates to something of a new level. I want you to hear it. You have to really be cognizant of when is the right time to speak and when is the right time to listen. There are times to listen, and then there are times where you've heard enough. And now it's start time. It's that time to really crack the whip a little bit. You know, guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Got to start cutting some reps. And maybe guys who aren't playing, give them a chance. So that, that is sort of a new territory. And Chris Canty, you had quite an issue with it. What was your problem with what he said? Well, I had a lot of issues with yeah. what he said. And the crack the whip analogy is a little problematic, but I ain't going to get into that right now. But the thing that bothers me the most, G, is when he starts talking about the mistakes that guys are making and maybe they've got to get it fixed or we need to get other people in, in there and have them replace them with their reps. Gee, he's not the head coach. He's the quarterback, mm-hmm. okay? You don't need to separate yourself from your teammates by pointing out all of their flaws and not at least acknowledging yours. That's the problem that I have. Quarterback is a leadership position by nature. And with Aaron Rodgers doing this while also simultaneously challenging the authority of their head coach, Matt LaFleur, which is the second week in a row he's done that, I just think it's only going to serve to exacerbate the issues that the Green Bay Packers are experiencing. Take me inside that locker room. Now, you were 
Um, you were a, a very, very good player. You're not a star on the level of Aaron Rodgers, but you also, for most of your career, were not. Well, I guess at one point you were a young player. Yeah. But one way or another, if the star, the superstar, and Rodgers is a star of, of, of a magnitude that very few people are comparable to. No doubt. Tell me how that's playing, because these guys all hear it. They, they all hear what he said on McAfee yesterday. Yeah. If you're one of his teammates, like what are you hearing there? Well, I'm hearing that you guys are the problem, not me. And you guys need to get your stuff together, not me, which couldn't be further from the truth. I know Aaron Rodgers is a back-to-back MVP, but there are things that he could be doing better on this team. And Oh, by the way, because he's getting paid $50 million a year, the organization is expecting him to do those things better. Gee, when all of his offensive linemen win their blocks on passing plays, Aaron Rodgers is 22nd in QBR. That ain't good enough for a guy that's getting paid what he's getting paid. So when Aaron Rodgers is pointing the finger of blame at everybody else, he needs to think about trying to accept some of the fault and how this thing is spiraled out of control. There's a reason why this is the worst record that Aaron Rodgers has had through seven games in his career. And the leadership issues that we're seeing on display from Rodgers might be the reason why this guy's only made it to one Super Bowl. So, Mike T., help me here, because I, 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 we had a spirited debate. For those who didn't see it, Dominique and, and Kimberly were so, sort of on the other side. I mean, no one disagrees with you, but they yeah. didn't feel nearly as passionately. Whatever. And I kind of see both sides to this. Mike T., help me. And help everyone sort of make some sense of the Rodgers of it all in Green Bay. Yeah, I sort of agree with Chris, which is this. If I'm the head coach of the GM of the Packers, I'm sitting down with Aaron say the object of the exercise is we got to play better football. And presumably you're calling out these young receivers. This is the worst way to effectuate what we all want, which is they need to play better. So when you were sitting behind Brett Favre and someone's going to interview Brett Favre and say, hey, tell us about those young players, and they would have called you out, which, by the way, Aaron, you played seven games in three years, so there was massive question marks about you as a player. So you wouldn't appreciate when you had no equity for somebody to call you out. If you want more out of those guys, sit down. And one of the things about Rex, and Rex is crazy and lovable, but one of the things that he did a great job of, guys, was the old expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I wonder deep down if those receivers really think Aaron Rodgers cares about them. And I'm sure that's why he probably caused more problems than he solved yesterday. Maybe. And here's what I'll say. Chris Canty and Mike Tannenbaum in the studio with us here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. The one thing I... I sort of made this point yesterday with Justin Fields, and it's a completely different point, but it's the same thing, which is don't ask Justin Fields to do stuff he can't do and then get mad at him when he doesn't do it well. It's your fault for asking him to do something he couldn't do in the first place. And there's a part of me that wants to say, if you're putting Aaron Rodgers, whom we all know to be kind of the way he is, particularly at this stage of his career and life, with these super young receivers – what did you expect to happen? Do you expect him to have right. like a paternal sort of, you so, know, that, that, why, why were you expecting this to be better than so this? So I would have sat down with Aaron Rodgers. And look, I don't like to spend other people's money or take it out of their pocket. But like, Aaron, like your life's not going to change for whatever he's getting paid to do that weekly. Why are you doing that? Like, what good comes out of that? You have doing a, what? Doing the Pat McAfee? Yeah, I don't even it? think he gets paid. I don't think McAfee pays him. I think he just likes doing it. And, and, and I don't know that for sure. I could ask right. But you McAfee, know what? You're bringing but, up an interesting point because, Aaron Rodgers, we just paid you $50 million. If we paid you forty five and we used that money and allocated it toward getting some veteran receivers, what is that going to do in terms of making our offense better, making our team better? 
to your point, Mike Tannenbaum, his lifestyle ain't going to change if he's making $45 million a year. Right. But that's an ego issue, and it's been too much ego from Aaron Rodgers the last two years in that Packers organization, and it goes back to the rift that they had with the decision to make to draft Jordan Love without giving him a heads up. But beyond that, though, in order to get this thing fixed, you got to get guys to come together. Making these public comments and threatening players' playing time, which also has to be happens to be tied to their livelihood, is not going to affect the change that you want to see in terms of galvanizing everybody and getting everyone on the same page. I think there's something else very fundamental here. And Greeny, I feel like we've talked about this literally for months. Like Aaron Rodgers' indecision going back to late January and February cost them Devontae Adams. Yeah. And if we're in this last dance, all-in mode now, like – could you believe like how much he alienated Devontae Adams that he didn't want to be there anymore? Yeah. Like they Green Bay had franchised him, they could have kept it on a one year deal. And to me, like there has to be some like self awareness by Aaron Rodgers that I actually caused a lot of this to happen myself. All right, Greeny with you, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Another of the really interesting conversations we we really hit on a bunch of good stuff on the TV show today, and that's the best thing about doing this right after that, is it's all kind of fresh and I can uh, go back to some of the thoughts. We, we had a very interesting conversation about Daniel Jones and the quarterback of the Giants, who I think I believe in more than a lot of other people, including a lot of the team's fans. Like, I hear from a lot of fans. I actually hear the words, Daniel Jones is creating a problem for the Giants by playing better than anyone thought that he could. I feel like when I watch Daniel Jones, Chris, I see an ascending player who maybe, just maybe, could turn out to be really good. Like, right now, he's good. He's got a skill set. He runs ridiculously well. I think that with the receiving core he has, I don't think Johnny Unitas could be putting up huge (laughs) numbers. I think he is an ascending player who might turn out to be a really good player. I think you you would be out of your mind at this point if you're the Giants not to figure out a way to keep him long term. I don't feel like you are as sold on that. Give me your evaluation of Daniel Jones. Well, he's played really good football this year, and I think it's a product of having an adult in the room and Brian Dayball as his head coach. And it's vastly different in that building from when Joe Judge was there, when Pat Shermer was there, and certainly with Ben McAdoo. So you feel better about Daniel Jones's opportunities to be able to evolve as a player in the way that they're using him. They're keeping him out of situations that in the past we've seen turnover-worthy plays from him. He's done a good job of protecting the football. They're allowing him to use his legs on zone read schemes, and they're picking and choosing their spots where they want to go over the top. And you saw that early in the Jacksonville game to Darius Slayton for that touchdown on the first drive. Daniel Jones showed, based on the looks that that defense was giving him, that he could take advantage of opportunities in the passing game. And when the Jags made the adjustments – In the second half, they moved to the run game. Daniel Jones using his legs as a threat to the defense. And then Saquon Barkley closing it out in the fourth quarter. I think Brian Dayball has a good pulse on his team. He understands what they do well. He understands what they don't do so well and keeps them out of those situations. But with the Daniel Jones of it all, as he continues to win games, the Giants are going to have to move closer to figuring out a way to retain him. The only concern I have with that, G, is that is it going to be at a number that we're going to regret two or three years from now. So, so Mike T., that brings us directly to your area of expertise because you said something that I wasn't – I sort of suspected, but I wasn't sure. In your opinion, if Daniel Jones were to hit the open market, you think he would have a robust market and someone would throw a ton of money at him. That, that, I feel like that's what you said on TV today. Yeah, it's supply and demand, Greeny. There's about a third of the NFL – that has big question marks at receiver and some uh, of them quarterback, yeah. Excuse me, a quarterback, yeah. And, and and some of them are non-obvious. Like we talked a little bit about the Saints, we talked a little bit about the Buccaneers. There's a lot of teams. 
take even, for example, the Miami Dolphins. I don't think they're going to sign him, but do you think they're going to feel comfortable to sign two or a long-term deal given you know his injury situation? So when I say a third of the league, it brings out some other teams. And my point is there's a great cliche that applies here, and Chris, you kind of touched on it. When you evaluate a player, the tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling. So he's been through Shermer and McAdoo and Judge, and clearly he's a great kid. He's working hard. And I'm sure if I'm John Mara, I'm really intrigued. Like, what is Daniel Jones, guys, look like in three years with Brian Dayball? Unfortunately for them, they're not going to have that luxury because if they tag Saquon Barkley, Chris, which you suggested, mm-hmm. and then they say, hey, we want to pay Daniel Jones reasonable, Greeny, to your point, there's going to be some team, if Frank Reich survives, for example, gets one more shot at it, there's no number that they wouldn't pay Daniel Jones who would at least solidify the position from an athletic standpoint and an age standpoint. But here's the thing. Based on the track record of Brian Dayball and what we've seen him do with Josh Allen and what we're seeing him do with Daniel Jones, I'm not as concerned about what the succession plan looks like because I know I have a head coach that has proven he can develop quarterbacks. And so when you look at how the Giants have drafted, the infrastructure that they put in place along the offensive Chris. line, if they're able to keep a player like Saquon Barkley, if they're able to add some more explosive players on the edges, it might be a situation that's right for developing a young quarterback, especially given how good Wink Martindale has that defense play. Chris, take it for 20 years, we were chasing Tom Brady, be at the Jets or the Dolphins. Like, that is way easier said than done. Like, I appreciate Brian Dayball. I work with him. I think he's really good. But if Daniel Jones walks out the door, given the amount of games they won, they're out of the Will Levis, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud discussion. Not saying there's not other quarterbacks in the draft, but yeah. I'm saying it's a lot harder to get. That's why Daniel Jones is getting paid. Those other teams are looking at the same sort of options. I just wrote down the names of nine teams I could potentially see, and there are always surprises. Yeah. You know, I didn't even, and I didn't put Tampa Bay down there. I should have. That's ten. Yeah. Teams that I could easily see being in the market for a quarterback next season. It's going to be fast. Guys, this was fun today. Yeah. Chris Canty again. We'll hear you later today. Coast to Coast with Carlin on ESPN Radio. Tannenbaum, don't be a stranger, my friend. And, and the next time you're in New York, call me. We, we <laughs> I, could watched, call, I could call you from Florida. We'll, we'll take it. Uh, we watched a clip of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm today that, that for a variety of obvious reasons that we won't get into, Mike Tannenbaum and I found incredibly funny. We'll just leave it at that. All right. As we roll along here on, uh, on ESPN Radio, this whole doing the opposite thing is working out for me, but there's one place I will not allow it to lead. And I'll tell you what that is as we continue in just a moment. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny's Takes. Let me bring Hembo into the conversation here. So Hembo's primary job is as a content producer for Get Up Every Morning. He provides a variety of questions for all of our analysts. And I sit through listening to them on Get Up every morning. And then we come here and I actually get to answer these questions, which is what should be going on in the first place. What's the first question? Giants, Jets, playoffs, Greeny. Either, neither, or both. Uh, the segment is called Either, Neither, or Both. You go either, neither. That was your takeaway from my question? I no, it was a great no, question. but it, I mean, it, how does he, he somehow get them both wrong? It rubbed me the wrong way. Well, it, I'm not going to say either, neither, or both. That would be weird. If, if, if you pronounced one of them with the I and the other one with the E, like if you said either, neither, or See, both. I was so proud of this question, and then that's what you came back with. No, it's, it's, just, it, it's just a weird, it's just, do you ever say neither? Bubs? No. <laughs> I mean, you would never say neither, no, right? Yeah, like, was, no. I mean, the question is to him, do you ever say anything correctly? <laughs> that's that's right. He has just an odd speech thing. What, what, what do you think, Nuno? I think it's no. Just I can't. Today. No one has ever I can't, said. I can't today. No one has ever said neither. Okay. Anyway, the question is, will either, neither, or both make the playoffs? The answer is both. I believe both teams are going to make the playoffs. The Giants, I think, are a lock. Six and one in the NFC. Um, I think they could go under 500 the rest of the way and walk into the playoffs. The Jets have their work cut out for them, especially with some of the injuries. But I believe in these guys. I've made that point. I believe in the players. I believe in the coaches. I believe they're going to find ways to win. This weekend is a big test. Beating Belichick, I don't care who his quarterback is. I don't care what the circumstances are. For the Jets to beat that guy, that's not nothing. He could be literally out there by himself, and I would still think he was going to beat the Jets. But this will be a real test of not the same old Jets. I think they're going to do it. I think both will wind up making the playoffs. Next. Greeny, which team is likelier to reach the Super Bowl? The Bills or the Eagles? So this was a good question we, we posed to Dominique on the TV show today. And I think I'm inclined to agree with his answer, which is Buffalo. So you could break this up into, I think Buffalo is better than Philadelphia, but Philadelphia plays in the lesser conference. That said, I just have so much faith in the Bills and in Josh Allen. That guy is on a mission. The way his seasons have ended each of the last two years, particularly last year, I, I, don't, I don't see them losing. I think the Bills are going. Um, as far as the Eagles, I love Jalen Hurts. I love the story. I love what he's doing. And I want to buy in. And I think ultimately I will. But if you're asking me, have I seen enough 
to say Jalen Hurts is now a, an upper, lecher, uh, upper echelon NFL quarterback, and I'm certain of it. I can't say it yet. I can certainly say it about Allen. And while the Eagles don't have as tough a conference, you know, the reality is at the very top, like who is it in the AFC that scares you if you're them, if you're Buffalo? Is it Cincinnati? It's just Kansas City, right? Miami. It's Kansas City, and that's pretty much it. So is that is that markedly more scary than what the Eagles may have to go through? Maybe it is, but not that much more. Anyway, the answer is Buffalo. I would say if I had to pick just one of them to get to the Super Bowl, I would take the Bills. Next. Give me one team with a losing record right now that you are certain will make the playoffs. See, I, I, I unfortunately, I hate the question because everyone in the NFC South, the only reasonable answer is to pick the team you like in that division. And the only reasonable answer there is Tampa because they have Tom Brady and no one else does. They just lost 21 to 3. <laughs> to the Carolina Panthers. I'd like to say the Washington Commanders. I think with Taylor Heineke, maybe they are a little bit on the come. But their division is so much better. Every team in their division, actually the top three teams by record, well, no, Minnesota, three of the top teams in the um, in the NFC are in that East. So the only reasonable answer, and there's no fun in it at all, is to say Tampa. And so that's the way I'd go. But it, what is otherwise a good question becomes a little less intriguing. All right, you got two more. Quickly, go. Which Patriots quarterback gives that team the best chance to win right now? Well, it's Mac Jones. I, look, I, I am all in on the Bailey Zappi story, but the reality is we are we are discounting Mac Jones. We are discounting how well he played last year. What has been confusing to me is both before the injury and after, he's been doing some very un-Mac Jones-like things. He threw that terrible interception in the end zone. What game was that? It was early in the season in a game they lost. He threw a terrible pick in the end zone. Might have been Baltimore. I don't remember who they were playing, but early in the year, he threw a terrible interception in the end zone. Not a bad pass, a bad decision. And they did it again against the Bears on Monday night. Those are the mistakes you don't expect from Mac Jones. What makes him good is that he doesn't do those things. So that would be the only thing that would give me pause. But... By and large, I have definitely not seen enough from Mac Jones to the negative or from Bailey Zappi to the positive to suggest that they should really be making a change. So I will go Mac Jones. All right, one more because I like I like where this one leads us. Give me the player that has most exceeded your expectations for them this season. Well, let's lose the music and let's just focus in on this one for a minute because it's getting no attention based on where it's happening and who the people involved are and everything else. One of the most remarkable things that we have seen happen in the NFL in recent memory is the season that Geno Smith is having in Seattle. And no one is talking about it because they're the Seahawks and no one thinks they're that good and they're four and three in a division where no one has a better record than that. And he's Geno Smith. Geno Smith is most famous for two things and both of them were terrible. One was getting punched in the face by his own teammate in the locker room as a Jet and the other, through no fault of his own I guess, was that he was the guy that Ben McAdoo chose to start in place of Eli Manning snapping Manning's consecutive win streak, or excuse me, consecutive starts streak um, you know, the Iron Man thing that Eli had going and it was so distasteful to everyone that they fired the coach over it. They fired the coach for starting Geno Smith in a game is essentially what happened. And he certainly looked to me and I think to everyone like his lot in life was now to become just a backup and he would just make a living as a backup. And it's a nice way to make a living. 
You can make millions of dollars being a backup quarterback in the NFL for a decade, and I thought that was what he was going to do. And they traded Russell Wilson, and I thought, okay, well, they're tanking. So they'll just give the ball to Geno. And you know what? He has taken it and run. I should have had his numbers open in front of me. Do you have them? His numbers are impossibly good. This quarterback ranks fourth in the NFL right now in QBR. He leads the NFL in completion percentage. He is the only quarterback in the sport who has been off target less than 10% of the time. And right now, he's quarterbacking the number five offense in the NFL. Russell Wilson was their quarterback for 10 years. Only once did they have a top five offense, and that was 2015, a year in which they had the number three run game. Geno Smith right now, you could argue, is as good as Russell Wilson ever was at any point during that decade. So, Nuno, I would ask you, what... Are you, how much attention are you paying to what Geno Smith is doing? How much attention do you think is being paid to it? And is it the biggest surprise in the NFL this year, yes or no? I'm actually am paying attention to it because just of I'm fascinated by the change with Pete Carroll, right? Because that's another guy. If Brian Dable wasn't ha- wouldn't have the Giants where they're at, like we would be talking about Pete Carroll as the you know runaway. Uh, head co- uh, head coach of the year, you know coach of the year yep. in the NFL. I agree. So I I'm just fascinated by the Seattle because of the Denver piece and the Russell Wilson because we all thought they were done. Like yeah. we thought Russell that Pete Carroll should retire, blow it up, and you know there was talks about is it going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith. So I I think he's played well. I would like to see a little more production because as someone who has DK Metcalf on uh, one of their fantasy teams, mm-hmm. like, hello, I need some more points on that. Uh, but, you know, I also have Kenneth, Wa- uh, Kenneth Walker, so I'm good on that end. I, so I just think it's amazing. And it's funny because we talk about all these guys who've changed teams, and I know Gino was there last year. We talk about all these guys who've changed teams and have struggled. Does, does Gino's situation now – do teams might feel like if we get the right guy in the right situation, we could, you know, we could fix him? Like Maybe. when you look around it, we thought people might be able to help Mitchell Trubisky a little, but like that obviously was a fail. Or but, maybe but, that was the situation. I mean, th- that's another part. If Mitchell Trubisky was had Kenneth Walker the third or fourth, whatever number Walker he is, and and if he had DK Metcalf and he had Tyler Lockett and he was playing in that division, maybe things would look a little different right now. One way or another, you don't want Geno Smith to play big this weekend, and I'll tell you why. The Seahawks against the Giants this weekend is the only game between two teams that both have winning records. Who the hell saw that coming before the season? If I had told you before the season started, look, look at week, is this week seven or eight? I'm sorry. This is week eight. Week eight. Look at week eight on the schedule and circle the one game, the only one game that is going to be a matchup between two teams that both have winning records. Not one person would have circled Seattle against the Giants. Literally not one person would have seen it coming. But Geno Smith and Daniel Jones are two of the best stories in the NFL. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. It's the 10th year of Progressive's Key to Progress annual giveaway for veterans. This year, their goal is to gift a vehicle to at least one recipient in every state. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. I have some more quarterback stuff that I want to get to. But first, there's just something I, I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. All right, so if you listen to this show, you know that I have now adopted the George Costanza policy of doing the opposite. Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. If every instinct you have is wrong, 
then the opposite would have to be right. All right. It is a genius moment from Seinfeld. And my picks are always so bad, my hashtag KOD, that I've been picking against myself. And once again, Bubba, I have I am leading the ESPN radio uh, competition, right? We have this pick 'em sweepstakes or whatever it is we're calling it, where oh, yeah. all the different shows pick against each other. And literally, by picking against my own gut, I am in first place. I'm ahead of everybody, right? Yeah, I think you were second to last, and you vaulted all the way up to first <laughs> and have been there for, I think, three weeks straight now. And that's just because I keep picking against myself. So doing the opposite... And there's a great line in that episode where George says, this is my religion. Like he, 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 because he's doing it literally with everything in his life. And I am a big fan of doing the opposite because generally I'm bad at almost everything. I have only one skill. I literally have one talent. I'm bad at everything. I'm good at talking. And thank God you can make a living doing this because that is the only thing I can do. There's, if anyone who knows me is nodding their head. I'm bad at everything. Right. I need someone else to do everything for me. So it would be a a reasonable thing for me to say, I'm going to do the opposite of everything in life. But then Bubba, who of the members of the hashtag crew has actually been with me the longest. Bubba's been with me now for over a decade, sent me a story. And he said, Greeny, this is doing the opposite. This is the opposite of you. Would you consider becoming the new Amu Haji? This is a story from the New York Post. Amu Haji died. He was 94. He was an Iranian man, and he was known as the world's dirtiest man. He last showered 60 years before his death. 60 years. The reason everyone knows about all of this is because they did a fascinating-looking documentary about him, He died in a village, which the name of which I cannot pronounce. He was known for, I'm reading this out of the paper, his grime-covered skin and matted hair. He abstained from washing because he believed soap and water would make him sick. He lived in isolation for most of his life. That's the next sentence. Let me just say this. Not showering for 60 years and living most of your life in isolation are not coincidental. (laughs) Those are not things that happened coincidentally. Those are things that happen because no one can be around you (laughs) if you don't shower for 60 years. He lived in an open brick hut. Villagers made that for him. Um, they, uh, they, they, They made a film about him. He avoided fresh food. He was the world's dirtiest man. And so the question that... Bubba wanted to ask me is, are you willing to take the opposite to even this level? And here is the degree to which the answer is no, Bubba. Upon my reading this story, I took a shower. <laughs> I felt a need. I wa- they are, there's actually video. If you go on the New York Post website, they actually have video of this man from this documentary that was made about him. Again, he lived to be 94. So obviously, the, the living with this level of germination did not wind up shortening his life. But I felt so unclean simply watching the story that I felt the need to take my, a shower. My question for you is, do you think there would be as much interest in a documentary about you entitled World Cleanest Man? 
I, I don't think it's impossible. Come on. I mean, you know, when they did, uh, I did that interview with uh, that guy from The Ringer, and I talked about eating all of my food with a fork and knife. That kind of went viral on me. Yeah. Uh, it's not something I've ever made a secret. I don't like to touch food. I don't like my food touched by anyone, especially by me, and I don't like my food touching me. What's the purpose of having ESPN Plus if not for this show? That's exactly right. We need to do that. You know what? This is why I need you, Hembo, because this is an outstanding idea. We need to do a show called World's Cleanest Man... And just have cameras follow me around and see how tortured my life is by the fact that I cannot be around any germs at any time in any way. I think that's actually a very good idea. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm Greeny and this is ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A reminder, the World Series will be here on our air every pitch beginning Friday presented by AutoZone, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. We will have a little baseball conversation a little later. We've been all NFL to this point. I want to get to the Lakers. We have them tonight on ESPN. We have a good doubleheader tonight, by the way. I hope that you folks will be with us. I'll be here for NBA Countdown tonight uh, at 7 Eastern on ESPN. And then we will have the Nets and the Bucks. So, you know, KD and company against Giannis and everybody. That's a good game. And then we got Lakers Nuggets. And uh, we hope that's a good game. But it may very well not be because the Lakers are terrible. And I don't know that everyone is quite gathering just how terrible they are. But their shooting is not just bad. It's legendarily bad. They have no one who can shoot. You can look up the stats and see what they're shooting on three-pointers. Here's what makes it much, much worse. Here's where expanded stats. What's the word I'm looking for? In-depth, um, advanced? Advanced, thank you. Advanced analytics really become worthwhile. 
They're shooting badly from three-point range. That's the easy part to say. Here's the more interesting part. They are right in the middle of the pack in shot quality from three, which means the looks are fine. Team, they're not not getting bad looks. L.A. is shooting 13% below expectation on three-pointers. When they are left wide open, meaning the closest defender is at least six feet away, the Lakers are 14 of 62 from three. That's 22%. That is the worst in the NBA by a significant margin. 15 of those looks, wide open looks, have come from passes from LeBron James. Of those 15, the Lakers have shot three for 15. Let's be clear. On wide open, what are described as wide open threes, on feeds from LeBron James, the Lakers are shooting three of 15. On what are in general described as wide open threes, they're shooting 22%. They can't shoot. If you left good high school players all alone from three-point range, they would make 22% of those shots. So they're just awful. So you can talk all you want about Russell Westbrook. And go ahead, Hambo. Add a bunch of Russell Westbrook numbers to this. Well, here's the deal. Bubba last week actually said that it was Russell Wilson who is the least self-aware person in the NFL. I think Russell Westbrook is the least self-aware person in the NBA, and I have two numbers to back it up. He's played 81 games for the Lakers, Greeny, two Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. How many jump shots do you believe that Russell Westbrook, the worst jump shooter in the NBA, has attempted in two years with the Lakers? Do we have a stat that verifies that he's the worst jump shooter in the NBA, or is that just anecdotal? No, I mean, it it is... By the numbers, he is the worst shooter in the NBA. In terms of, you just set a minimum of number of attempts, he's the worst, pretty much regardless of what that minimum is. Okay, so he's the worst shooter in the NBA, and in 81 games, you're asking me how many jump shots he has taken? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Is it over 200? Yes. Is it way over 200? It is nearly three times that. It's 600? Russell Westbrook has attempted 565 jump shots in 81 games playing for the Lakers. Do that math. What is 565 divided by 81? It's like seven a game. So he's taking seven jump shots a game. I have another number. Go. How many screens do you think Russell Westbrook has set in 81 games playing for the Los Angeles Lakers? So to be clear, he has taken 560 jump shots. (laughs) Has he set... 81 screens? He has set 64 screens. He sets less than one screen per game and takes seven jump shots. (laughs) That's right. Boy, that's really bad. He he essentially shoots one jump shot or 10 jump shots for every screen that he sets. Wow, that's really remarkably bad. (laughs) I mean, it's just terrible. And we had a little bit of a discussion here yesterday about guys you feel sorry for. I kind of feel sorry for Russell Westbrook. Now, it's impossible to say that you genuinely feel sorry for a person who's making $47 million to put up those numbers. I mean, they are hysterically bad. They're so bad you can't not laugh at them. But, like, Russell Westbrook is too proud a person to be a laughingstock, especially, like, in his hometown. He went back to L.A. This was supposed, like, this is going back where it all began, and you've become a joke. That's That's got to be, I don't care how much money you get paid, like, that has got to be excruciating. And now the conversation is, are they just going to send him home? Are they just, and Woj said on TV today, he does not think that, that Russell will sort of stand for that, whatever Russell Westbrook's um, options are if they try to do that. I don't, I don't know what exactly he can do. He can't force them to trade him, and they're not ready to trade him because they think they can get a lot more for his expiring contract than is currently being offered. 
so he's not going to get traded. The idea that they might just send him home and say, you know what, just go work out in your house until we can find a trade for you and, and don't play with the team anymore. Like, I don't know what recourse he has if they take it to that, but the, just the mere fact that that's even a topic of conversation, it's, it's difficult for me to fathom the level of humiliation that he must feel at that. So I feel a little bad for him, but those numbers are unimaginably bad. Like that, that ratio could not be more off. All right, we'll continue in just a minute here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.